Now in this final session, third session, on the first four verses of Psalm 141, I want to do three things. I want to clarify something that might have been unclear or misleading last time concerning the incense over here. And I want to step back and ask two questions and illustrate for you the kind of reflection on a psalm that you can do after you have done a lot of analysis like we've done in the last two sessions and then close with a reference to Jesus and how he relates to the answer to this prayer. So, Father, in regard to those three things and anything else you might be pleased to do for our souls and for your glory, come and guide me and help me and all those who are are looking at this with me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And I said that this implies he wants his prayer to be pleasing to God because incense would be a sweet-smelling aroma in the temple of God. And that, that use of the word temple might have thrown some of you off because you're thinking, wait a minute, this is by David and Solomon, David's son, was the one who built the temple. And Pastor John kept talking as though uh, David wanted to be counted as though he were near the temple where they offer incense and near the temple where they offer sacrifice. And I was using the word temple very loosely, uh, the way, say, it was used in uh, 1 Samuel um, 1, nine with regard to Eli and the temple, or 3.3. 3. Um, but technically, I probably should not have been using the word temple, but maybe tent or tabernacle, the place where incense was offered before there was uh, the major temple that we know of as the temple in Jerusalem. So just that clarification for the, using the word temple here as the place where David wanted God to think of him as being, drawing near to God in his habitation, namely the temple. Now, here are the, here are the two questions. We'll start with, with number one. I'm stepping back. We've done our analysis, and I'm troubled by something, and that's what a question is. A question is you see something that, that seems troubling or perplexing, or you don't understand it, and you want more insight, and so you ask the question. And my question is, if he's praying concerning, don't let my heart incline to evil, not to evil words coming out of my mouth, and not to evil deeds that might emerge from my hands, why does he even need to pray, verse 3? God set a guard over my mouth and keep watch over the door of my lips. In other words, if you're going to fight the battle at the level of the heart, which gives rise to evil words, why ask God to also do battle at the level of the mouth? I mean, the the few inches between the heart and the mouth, if you solve this fountain problem by praying that God would not let it happen, then you don't need this. That's my question. 
And this isn't the only place where these two levels of spiritual battle are spoken of in the Bible. And here's my approach to that kind of question. My approach is to say, all right, um, that's the way it is. David, inspired by the Spirit, is modeling for me how to think and how to pray. And he's saying, God, fight anything that might want to come out of my mouth and keep it from coming out, even if it did get released from an evil heart. And then he's adding, and oh God, work in my heart too so that it's not even released. I learned something about how to do the work um, of relying upon the Holy Spirit in the process of sanctification. Namely, we should fight at two levels. Yes, we are going to fight always and primarily at the level of of the heart. Jesus said in Matthew 15, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person, for out of the heart come evil thoughts and murder and adultery and sexual immorality and theft and false witness, which is kind of speaking, and slander, which are our words. In other words, Jesus wanted us not to be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees were whitewashed tombs. That means they cleaned up their language and they cleaned up their deeds and they did not clean up their heart. They, they were dishes that had been washed on the outside, but not on the inside. And so, yes, the battle here should be mainly fought at the level of the heart. But it would be unbiblical to say, if we do that, we don't need to do this. Because in this age, we never are so perfected in the heart that the heart never produces words or deeds that are about to come out of the mouth or about to be performed by the hands. And yet, God, God intervenes through our hearts and the heart has enough help from the Lord to at least say, don't say it. (laughs) You might feel it. You might be angry as all get out. You might be resentful. You might be self-pitying. You might be depressed. And the thing you're ready to say is pure sin and you stop it. And that's good. That is not hypocrisy. What would make it hypocrisy? Well, hypocrisy is if you're saying, I say it, I feel it, I don't care if I see it and feel it, I just don't want anybody else to know I'm feeling this because I care about keeping up a good front with other people. No, that's hypocrisy, but the the saint doesn't say it that way, he doesn't work that way. The saint says, oh God, I'm sorry, I feel these feelings coming out of my heart, I'm sorry I'm tempted right now to say something so envious or so slanderous or so uh, vengeful. And please, God, I'm not going to say it. You've given me the grace not to say it. I'm sorry. And he repents. That's a beautiful thing, both because you are sparing the other people the damage and because you're stepping in the right direction with at least that much grace in your heart to stop it. So that's my answer to the first question. Should we battle both at the level of the heart and the mouth? And my answer is absolutely we should because that's what David is doing here. But we prioritize the heart because it gives rise to the mouth. And there is a way to fight at both levels without being a hypocrite. And my last question is to focus on do not let... I'm going to go ahead and clear this so that you can see it more clearly. Do not let my heart 
inclined to any evil, which raises the whole question about, am I in charge of the inclinations of my heart? Or is God, you, Lord, you do not let my heart incline? Who's in charge of the inclinations of my heart? Which, of course, raises the huge question of, of the freedom of the will and uh, human accountability and responsibility and the sovereignty of God. Those are the kinds of questions that you step back, having done all your, your work on a text like this, and you go ahead and you ask them, what does this text teach me? Well, this text assumes the truth of, of Proverbs 21.1. The king's heart and everybody else's heart is, in, is like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it. He inclines it wherever he wills. So when we will a thing, God is willing that we will it. God governs the heart. And so when, when David prays here, he's assuming that. In fact, the Hebrew behind this is even more striking. It says, uh, do not cause me to incline to any evil. Just like in Jesus' prayer, uh, lead me not into temptation. So what do we learn here? We learn God is sovereign over my heart. God does govern. God governs my inclinations, my desires. And what should we take away from that? Well, let me just list off the obvious things. David clearly says that does not in any way lessen his capacity to be pleasing to God or displeasing to God. He, he wants his prayer to be like incense, and there is a way that his prayer will be like incense and pleasing to God, and there's a way that he might give over to wickedness. There is real wickedness. There's blameworthiness, and there's pleasing to God. So no, the sovereignty of God over our inclinations does not remove our ordinary human capacity to produce what is blameworthy and what is praiseworthy, and we, res we are responsible to do the one and not the other. That's the first thing that's implicit here in these words. Another thing that's implicit here is that David wants God to govern him like that, right? I mean, he, he says here, don't let me incline. He's inviting God. He's yielding to God. He's happy that God would take charge of his will because he knows as a fallen sinner, if God leaves him to himself, his heart is going to incline towards wickedness over and over. That's our only hope as redeemed sinners is that God himself works in us to overcome our negative, wicked inclinations. And... Um, Another thing that's implicit here is that this uh, truth about God's governing our inclinations doesn't make prayer worthless. It makes prayer wise. In other words, David, David is praying, hasten to me. 
hear my voice. Be pleased with what I pray. And then he's going to go on and ask him to do things because he believes God, in fact, can do these things. When he asks help from his enemies or help for himself, God, because he's sovereign, can answer prayer. It's not that the sovereignty of God makes prayer worthless. It makes prayer wise and possible. And so in response to all of this, um, God does, in his sovereignty, hasten to us when we cry to him. He does hear us when we cry to him. And he does satisfy us with a delicacy far better than the delicacies of the wicked, namely himself. He does incline us to himself as, or to you, to God here. He inclines us to God as our supreme delicacy. So let's pray this way, and let's pray this way in the name of Jesus. And why do I say that? Because when you get to the New Testament, Paul taught, for all the promises of God are find their yes in Jesus. That is why it is through him, Jesus, that we utter the amen, in Jesus' name, amen, to God for his glory. The reason we close all of our prayers now with in his name, through him, we utter the amen. In Jesus' name, amen, is because all the Old Testament hopes, all the Old Testament promises that David was looking forward to, we now know have been purchased by the blood of Jesus so that we pray always and we hope always in Jesus' name.